welcome to General Broadcast, the podcast by the East of England Ambulance Service for the Ambulance Service. My name's Jordan, the Patient Safety Integration Lead for the Trust. I hope you and yours are all doing okay still in this strange time. So we're often told and encouraged to report a problem when it comes up, but how likely are we to actually do that? How concerned are we of the reaction from our friends, colleagues and managers if we say something is or has gone wrong? This week, I sit down with Richard Smith, a paramedic and head of patient safety at Addenbrooke's Hospital, and go through his dissertation on incident reporting in a UK ambulance service. We talk about why reporting is so important and why reporting positive incidents is just as important as reporting when things go wrong. We look at just and safe cultures in the ambulance sector and the NHS in general and why feedback is so vital to our learning. Richard is a former colleague from East so it was great to catch up with him doing this. I really hope you enjoy. So, Richard, thank you so much for, for joining us today. No, it's no problem at all. Thank you for having me. First things first, how are you doing with all of the lockdown stuff? Yeah, I'm good. It's um, definitely an interesting time having to um, stay in one place, but definitely um, getting on with it and just doing what we have to do, really. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I've given a little bit of a... Uh, brief about who you are and what you do but can you just go over who you are and what you do really? Yeah definitely so um, I'm a a paramedic by background so um, I did my undergraduate training at the University of Hertfordshire, graduated in 2013 um, and initially worked for um, East England Ambulance Service um, frontline on both the ambulance and a um, RV um, following that, moved into the, the patient safety team in East, um, working within the, the team to look at SI reports, um, incident investigations, um, and everything to kind of do with patient safety. And then recently, I've, I've moved to um, an acute trust hospital to um, work in the patient safety team there. So um, I'm now a bank paramedic with East, um, but work in an acute environment. So it's been a, a big change for me. So I'm learning lots of different things. But um, that's the background for me, really. Um, had this kind of interest in inpatient safety from my operational days. And I think really that came from um, graduating as a paramedic, assuming everything would go absolutely perfectly and no errors would be made and everything would be going fine. But actually, uh, um, we all make errors. Um, why are we making errors? And it just kind of led on to human factors, which led on to the, the safety science, how we can prevent error, and then that kind of investigation, more governance aspect. So um, it's been a journey that I didn't think I would take, if you asked me, kind of seven years ago. But, um, and as you know, John, having worked in patient safety, it's a really interesting kind of field of work where we can make a difference to the wider system. So really happy to be working in this field. Oh, fantastic. That's so, me. So you've done quite a bit, and you're you're now one of this... Uh, newer breed of paramedics who are moving away from the ambulance service but still very heavily involved in inpatient care? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, still maintaining my, my paramedic registration, still 
will it always be a paramedic and that you know that's really the first thing that um i wanted to have as, as a career but it's kind of grown into something where um, I didn't think it would grow, but it's it's good to see what other trusts do in terms of governance and patient safety processes. And obviously, um, I think probably going forward, what patient safety needs to look like is a, is really a systems approach. So looking at all partners from um, your community care, pre-hospital care, going into acute hospital and, and specialist care. So I think this has been really good for me to get that exposure to what other parts of the system are like. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that the more we look at safety science, the more we are going to be working with the wider system. Not that we don't already, but just even more and, you know, wider communication and more detailed communication. Um, And especially we were talking uh, before we start recording about the amount that we're communicating at the minute with COVID. And just we really hope that that kind of stays the same after so your interest in uh, incident reporting, talk us through that and talk us about how, how you sort of came to write this. Yeah, definitely. So um, as part of my, my master's study, so I did a, um, a master's in simulation and patient safety at the, the University of Plymouth. So part of that work was me looking at incident reporting within the ambulance service. So um, I'm, I can't actually remember really how I came about choosing that topic or where the interest is sparked from, but um, I think it was in terms of, um, you know, having this exposed to Datex in quite an operational way or an incident reporting system in quite an operational way on the, on the road and actually how does that influence us in terms of... Um, how we maintain safety in organisations, how we learn from incidents and how we go forward. So um, what I embarked on was um, doing a piece of research on um, um, incident reporting within the ambulance service. So um, in terms of the current literature which is out there on incident reporting in healthcare, we have lots in hospitals and we have lots that look at different professions such as the medical profession and doctors nursing profession and midwifery but um, as with quite a lot of pre-hospital or paramedic research um, there wasn't much about how incident reporting impacted patient safety within the ambulance service. Um, there's a few studies out there um, from kind of the UK and, and globally but nothing that looked at a real qualitative approach on, on incident reporting. So I think taking it wider, um, incident reporting is, is really important to safety and risk management. It's obviously that that window into the system to look at um, how we learn from when things have gone wrong and how we can pick up um, key learning from near misses. Um, and obviously other industries have adopted this really successfully. And there's some challenge in literature now around how healthcare has adopted incident reporting. So in terms of um, how do we translate a lot of reporting data into into learning? So what I want to do is to look at um, in the ambulance service how an incident reporting system and how we report incidents maintains patient safety. And I hope what I've got is a snapshot um, of how that happens. Um, I think taking it broader, obviously, um, incident reporting and the culture around that is... is um, indicative of a wider safety culture so as an organization as healthcare we should what we should be striving for is a, is a positive safety culture to look at do we learn from things when they go wrong do we learn from things that go right 
to taking that that safety two approach, which hopefully we can talk about a little bit later, and how we have a culture of improvement. Um, and that's really embedded around some other facets of culture that look at, is it just? So are we fair when things go wrong? Um, and do we have a, a blame-free and a fear-free culture surrounding incident reporting? So they're just some of the kind of highlight points of why I got interested in looking at incident reporting, and I'm sure we'll um, explore that a bit further in this podcast. Yeah, definitely. So uh, why don't you tell us... Uh what you found and then we can sort of dissect it because you you brought up some really interesting points there that i I could spend hours talking about but tell us what you found first and then we'll go yeah yeah yeah, definitely so um i'll run you through kind of the the methodology that we took um in terms of doing the research so um i kind of need to thank really some key people from the university of plymouth who um helped me through this process so um I'm no, by no means an experienced researcher and this is all very new to me. So big thanks to um, Dr. Sue Smith and Dr. Matt Hill, who are both um, academics at Plymouth University. Um, Dr. Hill's also a consultant anaesthetist, so really helpful in terms of how we pull this together. Um, so what we did was we used a mixed method approach to investigating incident reporting within and an English Ambulance Trust. Um, so I undertook nine semi-structured interviews, um, speaking to paramedics about their experience of incident reporting within the trust, using a range of questions and kind of probing on some key points. Um, and we triangulated that with some data from a safety culture questionnaire. So. Um, there's lots of different tools of how to measure safety culture with a questionnaire. Um, and we undertook one of those approaches um, with help from one of our system partners, the Eastern Academic Health Science Network. And again, another kind of shout out to them and thank you for them for providing the survey. Um, and what that survey looked at was some key domains of, of safety culture, um, one of which was safety climate. Um, and how incident reporting fits into that. And I know, Jordan, you did some work with me on the, on the, on the safety culture survey. So um, what I did in the end was we did it in uh, two operation areas, one in a, um, a clinical triage in the control room setting and one with um, advanced paramedics um, and triangulated that information with the quality of data to, to get a kind of full view of incident reporting. Um, so that was that was really the core methodology in terms of the data analysis um, with the qualitative data I did thematic analysis um, with myself um, just going through the data to kind of draw out the key themes which we can talk through um, and the safety culture survey was all done by a third party so they just provided us with the, the quantitative data and then I integrated the two to see if there was convergence in the data um, or diversion, so was there, was there disagreement? Um, so just to go on to kind of some of the um, stuff that we need to go through on this, in terms of um, ethical approval, um, I got that from the Health Research Authority from NHS and also the Plymouth Ethics Committee. So um, the study was undertaken with that kind of ethical governance around it. Um, so once we had um, done the thematic analysis, um, obviously, we came up with some key themes, triangulated that against the, the safety culture survey and came up with, with some conclusions. I think what I just want to highlight at this point is 
Um, we probably can't get generalizability across all um, ambulance services within the UK or globally. You know, this really is um, a snapshot of certain paramedics at certain times within their organisations. So although it gives us really good indicators of how incident reporting can in, impact individuals, I don't think we can generalise it, but some of the wide literature around that does let us to make some conclusions. Um, so that's the methodology, first of all. So just if you had, I don't know if you had any questions on that specifically, um, that was really a kind of brief overview. And we hope to write this up as a, a journal article at some point. So hopefully it'll be available for a bit more um, analysis and debate. Yeah, definitely. I think because that's it's really difficult, isn't it, to un, to get a, a glimpse at what culture looks like because it's so subjective. In the in the work that we did in in East, didn't we? We we kind of knew that if we spoke to one person on a certain day, they would feel X, but then on another day, they might feel Y, and it it varies from even station to station, let alone region to to region. So, getting getting a a kind of marker a, a score for culture is is a real challenge and we always knew that we had to take things with a pinch of salt didn't we yeah definitely i think um what i kind of learned from going through this process and obviously the process with yourself in terms of the culture stuff is actually it's not necessarily important about generalizing sometimes but just working out what creates a positive culture or what creates a, a you know culture where we isn't so positive for patient safety. So um, some of what I'll talk about through this podcast is about key things about what different groups in the organisation can do to foster a positive culture. Um, and I think reassuringly, actually, from the research, there were some really good um, examples of positive culture within this um, particular organisation. And I think, you know, taking a, a, a really good pace so approach, actually there's a lot of positives out there which are happening and we can talk through how as leaders and um, followers within the organisation um, we can create this positive culture to produce or prevent harm in, in the future. And I think, um, you know, everything that patient safety is focused about is reducing harm to patients and ensuring that we can um, uphold staff welfare and well-being as much as possible. And obviously, you know, patient safety incidents and events have um, really damaging effects on, on staff sometimes. So it's how we make sure we're in a culture where actually staff is supported just as much as the, the patient during these events. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. Just uh, just to pause there for a moment, we, we talked a bit about safety culture and just culture. I just wonder if you could uh, dive into those those terms a little bit more, just for people who may not ne uh, necessarily know what they are. Yeah, definitely. So, um, as we all know, these things, there's quite a lot of definitions on, on both just culture and safety culture. So, I guess I'll summarise what I've kind of contextualised contextualise those as with my understanding of, of patient safety. So um, if we start with safety culture first, so I think safety culture is obviously made up of lots of different elements of an organisational culture that means we learn from instance when they go wrong, support staff um, and have the right approach to creating improvements. So I think those are the overlying kind of facets of that and there's lots of papers on, on Google, if you just Google safety culture that kind of delves into a bit deeper on some individual specifics but for me that's really with safety culture it's about 
our response to incidents, support for staff, creating learning and driving improvement. Um, with a just culture, what that is really, so it's a concept that was um, created by some academics and has been embodied in, in healthcare to ensure that when an incident occurs, blame is not um, applied in the incorrect way. So with a lot of incidents, we know that there as a result of systemic weaknesses within the system that we all work and therefore it should not be about blaming individuals. So it's about applying a just and fair approach to how we view the cause of incidents. So um, there's two schools of thoughts. One is it's the individual responsibility, two is the system responsibility um, and what a just culture is about pushing that towards the system as opposed to the individual. Um, the caveat around that is obviously, you know, as um, kind of history in the media is showing there is some individuals within healthcare who will be reckless and intentionally cause harm. And what just culture is about is ensuring that those individuals are held to account where needed. But on the whole, it's about ensuring that staff aren't blamed for instance when they happen and that it's appreciated that the system around them is the context for an incident occurring. And actually, if we want a positive safety culture, we need to have a blame-free or blame-appropriate culture um, and a fearless culture so people are happy to report incidents so um, they know they're not going to be held personally responsible and that there'll be a, a con you know a wider look at the system as opposed to that. So um, there's some really good, if we can just sign post some um, kind of a literature on just culture, um, NHS Resolution has... Um, a really good document. I think it's called Being Fair, and I'm sure you can signpost this in the the article and um, the podcast extract yeah, um, that explains just culture. NHSI have got the just culture decision tree, so how to work out if it was an individual that caused intentionally caused harm or it was a system. Um, I think for the leaders within organisations is really important. We apply those tools, so we we create that that blame free culture where it is a system that's caused an incident. Um, I hope that made sense. I don't know if that was just me rambling, but no, no, um, they're quite was... big concepts, but there's definitely lots of reading out there which can guide people for a bit more clarification. No, I think that was really useful. And it's, in, you know, it's really important because to understand why reporting incidents is so important, we need to understand what a safety culture and a just culture is. Because if people aren't reporting incidents because they're scared of ramifications or they're not confident in the system to resolve the issue then patient safety incidents continue is that fair to say yeah definitely so you know key to incident reporting and obviously if we have incidents we can then act on them create learning is that people feel empowered to report and part of that being empowered to report is knowing that they won't be personally blamed either by their immediate management or the organisation as a whole for something going wrong. And actually, it's about understanding um, what the system is. So I guess if I can put that into an example, um, and I know one of um, your speakers from a previous podcast used the um, adrenaline example um, with giving that wrong route, wrong dose. So um, it's about the response of the organisation to someone doing something like that, if they haven't deliberately given the wrong dose, the wrong drug, going actually, you know, thank you for reporting, that's okay, what support do you need? And then when an investigation um, 
it's begun into that, supporting them through the investigation process, letting them know what's going to happen, um, and actually going, you know, what are the system causes of this? So in terms of um, your wrong route, wrong dose adrenaline, um, you know, some of the recommendations from previous reports have been if we get pre-filled syringes, therefore someone can't accidentally give it the wrong route. So um, it's about people having the confidence that they won't be personally blamed in that situation, supported through the process, and that the organisation will, will look at the system behind it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And the adrenaline one is always one that, that comes up in, in patient safety conversations, isn't it? It's always the, the kind of standard example because it's one that, that so many clinicians could make and it's a, it's a system issue because it's such an easy mistake to make. So how do we as a system resolve it i think that's i think that's really good so what did so what did your uh, work find what, what was the actual conclusion yeah, de- of it definitely so i think probably the, the easiest way if i talk through some of the key themes that we we drew out of the the thematic analysis of the quality data and what i'll do is support that with the quantitative data of the safety culture survey as we go along so um the reason we took the the mixed method approach was to kind of contextualise some of the qualitative data around what the safety culture was within the organisation. So we can't necessarily make direct links between the two, but it gives a bit of context. Um, so I think what's important to recognise with this research is that we, for the qualitative data, we did only interview paramedics, and I'm conscious that within an ambulance trust, we have a lot more of ambulance clinicians who are either registered with professional bodies or we have clinicians in different settings or we have um, different roles within the organisation that have a safety critical function um, which aren't clinicians. So I guess with our control room colleagues, um, other colleagues across the trust, um, they may have completely different views and experience of these these things. So just to caveat that we looked at the the nine paramedics individually. Um, So... What came out of the thematic analysis was really four key themes. So the first one was the reporting practice of the organisation. The second one was the outcome of the incident report. The third one was the impact of incident reporting on the team. Um, And the fourth one was impact of reporting on the individual. Um, So I think if I start off with impact... um, on the individual first of all, and I think, you know, when we think about patient safety, it's almost the most important thing is actually how are we supporting our staff through these. And I guess as you're listening to this, just think of as a colleague or as a leader, if you've got a line management responsibility, how can I prevent these things from um, happening in the future? So I might add a few quotes in of the kind of data that we've um, used to support points as we go along, and these ones which have been put in my final dissertation so all completely anonymized um and jordan if you've got any questions as we go along just stop me because i appreciate it's quite a lot of <laughs> a lot of data to go through yeah, so, no worries mate um so the first impact on the individual the first kind of sub theme of that was 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 blame so um throughout the interviews we we kind of picked up that people felt blamed after an incident happening so um there was blame on an individual level um, that people felt, you know, they were being penalised because of something going wrong. Um, and they felt that potentially this went to, um, you know, represented some of the safety culture within the organisation. So if I can just read out one quote 
um, which kind of highlights that. So this is from one of our participants. Um, one that I was involved in and went to a debrief and part of what I was pulled up on, what I allegedly had done wrong was not to complete um, a leave at home form. And part of my learning from that was to read leave at home policy. Um, the form for which I got bollocked for not completing was actually not mentioned in the leave at home policy. And it kind of makes a mockery of the whole thing. And actually the people that are putting you up don't know either. So it's almost like, don't worry about it, go away, it's done now. Um, and actually the the individual saying that actually went on to say that that would stop them instant reporting. So they said, yes, it, it left a very bad taste. So um, that's one example of how someone was blamed after an incident happening. And actually what that did was probably demotivated them from reporting in the future because um, they felt they were going to get blamed. So, mm. and actually interestingly for that person, they really wanted to use their them error for learning so them as an individual they had a really good view of um you know i need to do some reflection on this i need to learn from it um but actually the way that we responded or the way that their individual organization responded made them feel blamed so um i think that's a crucial point of how blame can impact someone's um experience of incident reporting yeah, and it, um, that's a just yeah. Pause, I've done any comments on that. Yeah, it's that's a that's a really interesting point because it takes something quite small, doesn't it, to have a a ripple effect? Because hypothetically, I don't I don't know that person, I don't know that specific case, but in theory, that person could then go and talk to three other people who say, actually, I don't want to report anything because you'll get in trouble for it. They then tell three people, it becomes a Chinese whispers game, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So I think. What we picked out of the research as well was actually some of this is quite long lasting. So even though an incident was handled a certain way many years ago, it still had an impact on, on the kind of culture in a certain group of people. Um, so I guess for, for leadership and colleagues in the organizations, when we, when we use the incident reporting, it's about thinking about how we actually, um, manage these situations to support staff. So going back to the second victim again, you know, 99.9% of people won't deliberately go out to cause an error. And actually when they feel blamed after reporting an incident, it just compounds that and creates a culture where we're not about learning and, and, and blame. So actually that quite nicely moves on to um, the next thing we found was the fear aspect. So um, a lot of people feared the incident reporting process um, if I can read out another quote, um, if you're sitting there instant reporting, you're thinking, oh, crikey, is this going to come back on me or my crewmate? And is this actually going to cause a lot more trouble than it's worth? Which I don't really think the instant reporting system came in place for that to be the situation, but I think it's developed. So that kind of highlights the fear really about, um, you know, what happens when people report incidents. So do they have that confidence that... Um, you know, it's going to be handled appropriately. Um, so if I can read out another quote, so this is in relation to a drug error. We realised it was the correct drug to administer at the time. After that, I thought, oh my gosh, what is... Oh, sorry, we realised it was the incorrect drug to administer at the time. After that, I thought, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? I went home really, really stressed about it. I just felt what would happen? What I Would I be brought into the office to speak to the manager? Would I get disciplined? Like, what would actually happen? So... You know, there was some real fear for that person around what would happen about instant reporting. And I think bringing it back to everyone within 
healthcare clinicians, non-clinicians, you know, a lot of these things can happen to anyone. Um, so it's how we support that staff. I think what I can highlight with that case, and I highlight this in the, the kind of discussion of the research, is that actually this person afterwards, although they had that perception, had a really positive experience of learning. So um, one of their line managers sat down and supported them really well, explained the process, helped them learn, they did a reflective account, and actually what turned out in that case was... Um, really positive learning for that individual. So although they went into the um, incident reporting situation with one perception, actually once they've gone through the process, um, they're, you know, it was a really positive experience for them. So hopefully that would go on to create them to report more. Um, but what we had in some of the other um, kind of data was that kind of, you know, um, fear was was there which I think as healthcare is across the board so a lot of the things I'm speaking about in this research is has been highlighted in other studies from um, hospitals all different professions so we're not we're not isolated on this mm, definitely um, so that that's that's fear what we have next is I just um, want to pause you on fear again yeah. sorry because the when you were talking, it, it made me think of a phrase and uh, you'll probably laugh at it. But the phrase that I hate, one of the phrases that I hate the most is I'm going to Datix you. Now, I, I know that some people don't use Datix as their instant reporting tool. But one of the things that irks me in a patient safety setting is that Datix, this incident reporting system, both positive and and not positive incidents, is used as a as a verb and a, a threat, isn't it? How how do we how do we even begin to get around that? Yeah, so I think um, instant reporting as a whole has potentially got this this negative connotation. Or actually, it's all about safety and learning. So, um, I th- you know, I think what is crucial to this is about how we as individuals within organisation use the system and have. An understanding of the system so um, for the individuals it's key to understand that it's um, about you know instant reporting is only about learning improvement identifying where risks happen so there's probably an education element to that there's probably an element of how we interact is colleague to colleague with that and there's probably an element of how management at both a local and senior level within the organization portray instant reporting um, and again, that's that's across healthcare. So, I you know taking it back to East, and obviously having worked in patient safety, some of the things we were doing. So, um, for example, the learning from incidents event, um, you know, a really positive thing to show that actually when I report an incident, it's going to be handled this way. I'm going to get the support. It's going to create learning and a wider learning for the organisation. So, you know, I think LFI is something that is really positive for East of England that actually. Um, there's a translation from instant reports going into learning, which actually a lot of people are seeing, and that creates that positive culture. Um, and I think, you know, LFI has been one of the, for you guys in the patient safety team, has been one of the key achievements of that, and I think it should help create a positive culture. Yeah, definitely. Just for context for people who may not work in East or may not have heard of it, the learning from instance events, uh, we, we normally hold them at university settings or sometimes at stations. And we, we go through incidents in quite technical detail to really understand what the person was going through at the time. 
what the what the conclusion of the incident was and then what we as an organization are doing to to learn from it so it's about highlighting that mistakes do happen i think you're right that you said at the very beginning didn't you rich that you came into the profession thinking that you were never going to make a mistake but actually they happen all the time and that's a conversation i was having with andy the other week but uh highlighting that things do go wrong that learning comes from it and also that like you say very rarely will you get a sanction for it unless it is a a real negligence Mm. issue or something that is purposefully actively done wrong um it's about highlighting that that learning is good learning can can suck like a dyson sometimes but if you learn and you you engage in it then you come out the other end uh a better person but yeah these these learning from instance events obviously they've had to go on pause during covid but hopefully once everything goes back to whatever normal looks like we can restart those sorry i interrupted do continue no no that's no problem i think you know lfi definitely deserves a, a shout out for that it's been a really good initiative um so some of the other things that we we picked out again i guess i can take this just group it together so we we found that there was often a negative perception of, of the person who was supporting the incident which is you know a bit of a concern because you know we want people to feel empowered to to report so that's something we picked out um, and actually taking it to the team as a whole wider um, there's quite a few examples of interpersonal conflicts because of incident reporting so when an incident reported was reported about someone potentially that can make someone else feel quite aggrieved because of that mm. um which i think comes back to to the blame and fear aspects so i think because people feel they're going to be blamed and are fearful of that actually when someone does that um it's not always the understanding that it is for learning so i think that's really important to highlight as you know just individuals and colleagues within the organization that when we were working actually um instant reporting is about learning and improvement it's not about blaming someone and actually it should be a a positive experience i think that was quite interesting to come out um one of the quotes we had that and this was in the kind of team context that instant reporting and and the quote is throwing stones at us so teams of instant report each other and it you know i think that quote highlights that it's, it's taken in quite a negative way that actually you know what should be happening is um in support should be seen as that window into the system an opportunity to learn so it's about how we do that um quite an interesting one for and this is really specific to the ambulance services there's a bit of conflict between operational resources and the control room on this so and this is mainly about when incident reports should be submitted so crews wanted to submit incident reports but there was that obviously that operational demand of going out and responding to calls so i think going forward it's probably something for the ambulance service to think about how we let people report incidents as well as meet the operational demands uh, i know east has got a lot of really good ways of getting incidents onto the system in terms of the direct numbers call um your electronic patient care records um i guess it's how can we use other technologies to make that easier and create operational demand and actually the conflict is there not because anyone is um doing the wrong thing or there's any you know um kind of deliberate conflict it's just about the pressures that everyone is under at that point 
Yeah, that always seems to be um, a challenge with learning, doesn't that, it? That, uh, yeah. The, the operational demand of we need to see the next patient versus we need to stop and and understand what went wrong in order to protect the next 10 patients is always the challenge. Yeah, and I guess the implication is we we need to allow people to report so we can do instant reviews and pick up the learning and prevent the harm in the future. So it's probably just thought for you know individual organisations how they do that. Um, so the next theme was um, titled um, Instant Reporting Practice. This looked at instant reporting training and how to report, what to report and willingness to report. So the good things were people that we interviewed were generally on the whole willing to report. So that is a sign of a really good reporting culture. So people wanted to report, they saw the impact of reporting. And although there were some negative experiences, they actually saw the benefit of it. So that's a really positive thing and indicates there is positive cultures within the organisation we surveyed towards that. Um, in terms of training on what to report, um, that was slightly more confusing. So people didn't quite know what to report um, and what, you know, not necessarily why they should be doing it. So we had a range of responses to why we should report and what we should report. Um, so I think, and again, it's because we work in, you know, such a complex environment, um, actually it's really hard to clarify what we need to report sometimes, but I think probably this is where education, continued education and training is is really um, important. And what we found was people didn't have continued or initial training on, on instant reporting, where I think we can probably, if we pitched it right at the start, we can get around some of the elements of fear and blame by having that, you know, this is what it's about, this is what it's for, and we, can't, we create that really reporting culture. So what kind of examples um, have you got, sorry, for for uh, oh. appropriate incident reporting? Because that was going to be my next question. What What is what is kind of the right thing to report and, and not the right thing to report through that kind of mechanism? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, individual organisations will have mandates about what to report. So I guess it's about it. probably the first thing is to look at your own policies on incident reporting. And, and every organisation from under good governance should have had a managed instance within the organisation. So I would say the first thing to do is to look at that. Rule of thumb for me would be to report anything that has or could have caused harm, and that's the patients and the staff. So it depends how you look at it through which lens of the staff or the patient equally is important. Um, but that would be my rule of thumb. And it is really hard. I think, you know, if you're not sure whether to report it, it's have conversations with your managers or the patient safety teams within your organisations to have that discussion and they'll definitely give you on, um, you know, good advice. I think from what I do at the moment and having worked in patient safety in East, you know, we were having those conversations about should I report this, shouldn't I report this and that's indicative of a good culture as well. Mm, definitely, definitely. The next theme we had was the outcome of the incident report. So this is really important because biggest criticism of incident reporting in the ambulance service and healthcare is we collate a lot of data but do we actually translate that to um, tangible learning tangible feedback for people um, once they've reported an incident so and I know you, you probably have some comments on this Jordan but um, the first thing really to remember with incident reporting that feedback is essential to the process of incident reporting so there's good data from other studies and this study that um, 
the lack of feedback on instant reporting demotivated people to report. So when they didn't, when they put something in, didn't hear back, they thought, actually, what's the point of this? Is this going to achieve anything? And that's really damaging because um, they feel disempowered to report. They feel demotivated and actually we're probably not going to pick things up in the future because they didn't want to report on this occasion. So um, this kind of desire to have structured feedback was really important. So um, some of the quotes we had, um, and when you don't get feedback, do you think, oh, what's the point? So you don't get feedback on what I've done has made a difference. So I think by not having that, um, you can be fatigued and know what's the point. So um, I guess for the organisation, it's how we feedback to individuals who have reported. So one is there's an initial recollection or, or recognition that um, thank you for instant reporting. And then there's a second part of how do we feedback to them individually at the end to say thank you for reporting that again. This is what we've done about it to create change. If that's a system change, debrief or, or whatever. Um, and I think that links into another sub-theme was the action from reports. So a lot of people felt that they didn't actually see any change from instant reporting. Um, and I think that links closely to feedback. So, you know, were, did they get feedback on what happened afterwards? I think some of it's about communication because actually there may be occasions where nothing does need to happen. Um, and, you know, that's really specific on... Um, what the incident is and the context it's happens, but you know it's that communication. Thank you for pointing. Actually, this is a bigger work stream, or nothing needs to happen. So, um, I think what was key is people were seeing a lack of action from incident reports at either a local or organisational level, um, demotivated them from reporting. Equally, there are examples of when they did get feedback, it being really motivating. So, um, you know, this is actually showing, again, there's some really good pockets in the organisation review that there was good feedback. So um, there's one example in the data that um, there was a manager that was really responsive to giving feedback and actually that made the culture much more positive in, in their reporting practice. Um, I guess feedback is not just about individual feedback, it's about feedback to the organisation and the system. So, and this is more, I guess, a kind of um, strategic level and for patient safety teams and, and the work that we do is that how we translate local into supporting and learning from that to one, the organisation as a whole. Mm. So again, this is, this is why these podcasts are really good because you're getting out to a wide audience. Thinking of some other examples from East, we obviously have, um, the summaries of SI reports, the LFI events, um, uh, clinical quality matters. So those ways of getting out feedback to the organisation as a whole. Um, a step up from that is going how we actually feedback to the system. So how do individual organisations get out of their silo and feedback to a system as a whole? So be that ambulance services or healthcare organisations. So I guess if you're in a kind of strategic field, or managing instant reporting systems within organisations, it's about how do we take learning wider and make more of an impact for those who have a management responsibility at a, a kind of a localised locality level. It's about how do I get that feedback to the individuals and across. You, um, you won't have been able to see, but I, I spent the last five minutes like throwing my fists in the air wildly and, and silently screaming <laughs> yes, because... Everything that you're saying as the patient safety integration lead for the trust is exactly what I think is is the most important thing. And, and the thing that 
that really I find challenging about instant reporting is that people don't know what's happened after. So you, you throw something yeah, out into the universe and then it just definitely. disappears. And I think um, what's, what was really important in terms of the fear aspects that we, we found in the study was actually a lot of the fear came from the unknown. Mm. So people didn't understand what would happen once they reported an incident and that kind of uncertainty causes the fear, um, particularly around the SIs, the serious incidents, what's going to happen to me, how is this investigated, do I have to see the family, all this kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, this is where um, roles such as yours, Jordan, are really important to give people that insight. Um, and the information is there, but it's giving it in a in a way that's, you know, applicable to frontline staff, I think. And again, some of the challenge around actually creating action in patient safety is how do I translate what we've learned to individuals on the front line, which, you know, when people are busy and obviously at the moment with COVID, how do we get that rapid learning and rapid dissemination of that, which um, is the challenge for patient safety. So I think actually, you know, we should have a shout out here to staff across healthcare is that if you can think of innovative ways to spread messages or create learning in different ways, uh, contact Jordan. <laughs> I, I could, I genuinely couldn't agree more. And I'll even put my email address at the bottom of this because, because <laughs> the, the best, I, I make no bones about it. The best ideas that, that I've ever worked on are rarely mine there's someone else's and they say i have this idea i don't know how to run with it and in a qi quality improvement styley i say right let's sit down let's understand it and then let's work with it and you know I, i'm i'm not on the front line all the time we're, we're both not on the front line all the time but i know you have been more it's about um what are people seeing and what solutions do they have in their gift or do they think they can present and absolutely it's how do we get that that message out in an interesting and digestible way, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think um, kind of local ownership of these themes or trends or learning is really essential because actually that's about how we drive change and sustain change. So, and I, I don't, you know, from my own experience of East, there is lots of individual pockets of excellence happening where mm. there is definitely learning from incidents occurring. So, you know, I think, as this research said, there is some really good pockets of good culture happening. Um, what we next found was some interesting points around serious incident status. So um, this is about how the, one of the outcomes of the incident report was um, serious incident status. So um, actually, and actually, this was this is really really positive in terms of what we did find. So. In the, in the group of people we surveyed, and uh, not surveyed, interviewed, um, there was actually quite a positive response to the SIs. So people had benefit in seeing the reports because it gave them that learning. Um, it actually showed that action was occurring because an in-depth investigation with recommendations was happening. So that was that was really positive. There was a little bit of fear around the unknown and, and it's gone, you know, SI status. So I think there's a bit around terminology that could be worked on. Um, and again, linking it back to what work you're doing in East, I know there's a big push on trying to get the understanding of what the series and reporting process is, yeah. what it's for. Um, so it, it was actually, you know, a nice surprise working East at the time that, you know, the SI process was for the participants was a benefit. Now, taking it back to, I guess, the limitations of research, um, 
people could have been influenced by me from the patient safety team being sat there and they felt they need to say that. So there is that caveat. But I think just, you know, there was loads of good benefits of the series instances. I think that's a really good foundation that the trust has got there for managing that. And I think, and I'm, I'm sure you can um, give kind of um, anecdotal support to this, that actually when people go through investigations and are well supported, the, the view that they can come out of it at the end is a lot different to what they went in with. And I know you've um, done some surveying on that, Jordan, haven't you, in, in East? Yeah, so we, we were looking at our our entire serious incident process because we were wondering whether how supportive it was for for the staff involved and for uh, the patient and their their families and just you know generally could we make things a bit slicker more effective uh, your your kind of standard PDSA stuff but what we found was that a lot of people who were involved may not have known the conclusion or may not have known in detail what the outcome was they may have had some recommendations given to them or been asked to write a reflective practice or something but not necessarily know the total conclusion but then on the flip side of that we found people who knew in graphic detail the entire process and what the result was and uh, came out of the process feeling much more empowered than they did when they went in so we took this information we stripped apart our entire process put it back together and then built these um support packages around each incident so that when a member of staff uh, is involved in an SI they get sent a lot of information lots of things trigger really quickly so that they know exactly what's expected of them what we expect to happen in you know the the kind of time frames and what we would need to do that we need to speak to people we may need to speak to the families that kind of thing and the the anecdotal evidence within the first month of this was that staff and their managers felt immediately better because everyone could relax. It, it was, again, that fear of the unknown of, I've been told I've been in an SI, but I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I thought it was this, I thought it was that. But actually, to be able to explain it and understand the process just took 90% of the fear away for, for most people. Yeah, definitely. I think... Um people having the understanding that we are taking a systems approach to investigation. So we're not looking at the error as such, but the conditions that allowed the error. And that's that's mainly with the organisation is the biggest thing for people to understand that, you know, this is about actually if we don't change the system, it is going to happen again. Yes. Um, and that it's not about the individual making the error unless it's with intent, which is where the blame is going to lie. Uh, yeah exactly and that's what uh andy and i were talking about uh in the other episode if you haven't listened to it yet do because it the, these dovetail in really beautifully together um so it's it's really important i think that we we do listen to both of them so rich from all this what what is the next step what's what's the the yeah what is the next step from everything that you found yeah definitely so i guess um you know just just highlighting the, the key things in terms of what this kind of research means for one dominant service and I guess incident reporting and safety culture in general. So um, the other part of the research is on the quantitative elements of the survey. Um, I'm not going to focus on that too much now because the main bulk of the information was from the qualitative data, but basically the, the mixed method kind of synthesis of the data from the quantitative stuff suggested that um, or supported that feedback um, 
could be improved and was a demotivator. And that was the individual to the individual to the team and to the system. Um, and there was this impact to leadership. So um, the quality day suggested that leadership was crucial to how um, people responded and were managed with when once the incident report was submitted. And that was kind of shown in the, the safety culture survey as well. Um, the safety culture survey did lots of other bits. I think I don't think it's worth dwelling on too much. The key point is the feedback and the impact of leadership. And I'm more than happy to chat to anyone about any anything more in depth. So, um, I guess yeah, the, the, you know, the key thing from this is what we can do as individuals and as organisations to um, create a more positive safety culture. So. Um, what I've got in the dissertation is some recommendations. So I guess I'll just kind of touch on a touch touch on a few of those. So the first one is we need we really must remove this this fear and blame culture in relation to incident reporting. So um, the organisation that we did the data um, data collection in had elements of both of that. So this is where I go back to saying actually, although we can't generalise, we know what caused a positive and what caused a negative incident reporting culture. So um, when people were supported by their management and their colleagues, actually the fear and blame went. For the organisation, if we give education, tell people what's going to happen, give them feedback, again, the fear and blame goes. And actually what that should perpetuate is people who are happy to respond to incidents, happy to report them, and happy that the organisation is going to do something about them. Um, so and I know, John, you're doing loads of work on trying to this fear and blame, removing that from the organisation, having a just culture. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, a just culture really is probably the central concept that we should be going to. So, um, you know, understanding that the system is the cause of most areas, not in, um, areas, not individuals. Uh, yeah, completely. And and that is that is the, the main thing, isn't it? No one goes to work to do a bad job. Most people, I always have to caveat that, the vast majority of people don't go to work to do a bad job. So when things go wrong, we need to learn from it together because uh, I've forgotten the name of the test now, the one where you replace you with another person of a similar skill set. Are they likely to make mm. the same mistake? If they are, then then we need to fix it. And it's not it's not an individual problem. Like you say, it's a wider system issue. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, depending on how you look at a system, that could be from your, your task and tools to your environment, to the external organisation, to the latent failures of a new organisation is really um depending on what model you use quite wide ranging and um yeah i think that's really important so another another recommendation that we had from this study is that um organizations capitalize on the desire to learn and the improvement readiness that was present so the quality data showed that actually people do want to learn and on the majority want to learn from their mistakes and see action within the organization so for the um those are kind of strategic roles in organisations, management roles is about how do we do that? And again, learning from incident programmes, sharing SR reports, builds on this kind of desire to learn and showing that actually methodologies we use with incident investigations are, are focused on the system. Um, and hopefully we can get some LFI on podcasts and actually really, really publicise that in terms of it's about the system and, and, and no blame. Yeah, we're we're looking into that for sure because obviously we d we want to protect everyone's patient data, but we're we're definitely yeah. looking at solutions for that for sure. Yeah. So, 
Another recommendation was around this, really the concept of leadership. Um, and I guess this is leadership in the, the broad sense from individual leaders to systems. So just going back to the feedback, um, f- feedback to the individuals, to the teams and to the system as a whole is really important that as leaders within organisations that we provide that. So I don't think that necessarily means you need to be in a line management role. So, um, you know, to be a leader is having that just really positive standing within an organisation. So if I know someone that's been involved in this and how do I support them as a leader? How do I respond to them when something's gone wrong? Um, for those that do have more line management and governance processes and managing incident reporting systems, how do I provide that appropriate feedback for the wider system? How do we ensure that feedback goes up? So, um, like I've already said, it's back, you know, we need to find out a way of doing that, that properly. And there is some frameworks around incident reporting and feedback, but I think feedback is really the crucial key motivator or demotivator to people in their instant reporting. And without that, actually, um, to have a, a, you know, a really good appropriate safety culture and positive safety culture, if people ain't going to report, we're not going to be able to keep that going and sustain that. So it's, it's really crucial that people think about how they feedback in whatever role you are. I, I couldn't agree more. And the thing that I say to people is it doesn't have to be the most amazing feedback in the world. Just if you're if you're honest and kind with it, you'll you won't go far wrong. So so please for for you know just if you if you need to talk to someone, just talk to them because the like we say, the not knowing is the worst bit, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think um, just one point I'd like to draw out feedback is as well that actually it should be positive feedback. So um, I guess as as healthcare, as humans, we have this bias towards always looking at what goes wrong. Um, and looking at what goes wrong is, is actually really important because we do need to learn what goes wrong and prevent it from happening. Um, but actually what we should also be looking at is what goes right. So um, there's this concept in patient safety of safety one and safety two. So safety one is what I term looking in the rearview mirror, what's already happened and how it went wrong. Um, safety two is actually looking at the positive, so looking at why things went right, um, how they went right, the adaptability of systems and people to do that, understanding that and creating conditions for that to happen. So um, if you think about incidents within the organisation, so um, for the ambulance service, East, I guess you go to however many calls in a year, actually the amount of SIs or incident reports we have is only a really small proportion of those. So on the whole, for the, the other how many percent, just for argument's sake, 95 percent, um, actually care goes really well and really right. Mm. Um, and I know, Jordan, we, we touched on this at one of the LFI events with um, end-of-life care cases and how people did that and how that went right. And actually talking about when things go right is a really positive motivator for people. Um, you know, it brings it back to, um, you know, we do do a good job in a really complex situation and that's that's really powerful for people. And actually, when things go wrong, we can still draw out negative, um, noticeable practice. So I know with East, the um, incident investigation should be looking at noticeable practice. So that links in with feedback that actually, even when things have really gone wrong, there's always some positive. And if we can focus on that, it makes the 
um, process of instant porting less fearful and, and less blamey because you're talking about positive things. It provides feedback for people to improve, and I think it's you know it's an all round good thing. Um, there'll be we have positive conversations with each other, and in a, in a terms of the system concepts, there's um, from the kind of resilience engineering complex systems theory that actually if we look at why things go right in a complex environment and replicate that that's almost more powerful than looking when it goes wrong i couldn't agree with you more i think i think that's a that's such a valid point because yes it's important to learn from when things go wrong but learning from when things go well is (coughs) is even more important like you say because if you repeat something that you've done well more and more and more you'll get better at it and if you start from a good point, then you're going to just get better. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, again, signposting to some other literature is um, around the Learning from Excellence campaign. So I think it started in West Midlands kind of area somewhere, one hospital was there. But there's a load of websites on how we apply that. And um, I think it's really positive patient station actually looking forward to the future we need to be looking at how we we provide positive feedback and i think with feedback again is it doesn't necessarily need to be a massive task so i think sometimes we have this perception that feedback is you know a standardized support which sometimes it does need to be but actually a debrief is a form of feedback um providing that kind of reflective what went well what didn't go well kind of approach saying come well done on that difficult job is a is feedback um, and I think if we have lots of positive feedback, actually the blame and fear culture around instant reporting should go because we know actually on the whole it's going to be used positive. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's really really important. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Rich. I know that you're a very busy man, and I know that we've been going for over an hour now. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start wrapping up. Is there are there any other key points that you want to? that you want to pull out of this or you want to say before we wrap up? No, so I think, as, as you said, we've had a, a, a really good chat through the main, the main points. I think um, just the summary points for me is for individuals, organisations, leaders, is to think about how we can remove that fear and blame culture, mm. how we can be positive with each other and how we provide feedback in the, the most appropriate way. And... There's lots of patient safety signs associated with this. Hope to publish the paper so you can all look at, hope to present at different conferences and bits and pieces when we're allowed to not get together again. So more than happy to discuss further these concepts. And I, just to, to highlight, again, some positive feedback, the organisation that we surveyed, there were some really, really good examples of how positive reporting culture, positive management of that impacts individuals in a really positive way so i think it shows it can be done um it's just about how we all think about that to do that in the best way no i think that's brilliant and i think that is the perfect way to uh wrap up rich thank you so much for such an interesting chat and uh yeah i hope you stay safe and that things aren't too bad for you wherever you are yeah no problem thank you for having me jordan and um, thank you to everyone for listening and Thank you to everyone in the NHS who is working at this difficult time. I think um, everyone appreciates um, the work that everyone is doing. Thanks 
Thanks again for listening. As always, my email address is in the show notes, so if you have any comments, please do get in touch. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.